You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. Uh, what is needed for empowered, privileged Christians today who, who support uh, a corrupt administration to, to follow Zacchaeus' example? What's needed for, for Christians to take more seriously Jesus' commands to stand with the vulnerable and those on the, on the margins rather than the systems that harm them? Welcome to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 315. Our title is Zacchaeus and Christian Support of Dis- Destructive administrations, and our feature text is Luke 19, verse 9. Luke's gospel brings us the story of a tax collector named Zacchaeus, who, who walks away from his support of and his participation in a, a systemically unjust and exploitative system to become a Jesus follower. In response to Zacchaeus, Jesus said in Luke 19, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. The picture we get from the Synoptic Gospels is of a, a first century Jewish prophet of the poor traveling through his society's margins, teaching and calling his audiences to a distributively just society where those on the edges are included. Jesus appears in the stories as one who, like prophets uh, such as John the Baptist before him, uh, was a voice on the margins crying in the wilderness. Jesus' vision was of a, a kind of society that the Reverend Dr. Kelly Brown Douglas refers to as, as God's just future. Do Jesus' ethical teachings, do they still offer anything relevant to us in the 21st century as, as we work to reverse systemic injustice today? And I'm convinced that, that they do. Luke's story, it indicates that Zacchaeus was Jewish but also complicit in the injustice of the larger Roman Empire toward his his Jewish community. And like many Christians today who continue to unconditionally support the present administration in the U.S., despite harms to decency, to democracy, and to minoritized people, and to our planet, Zacchaeus participated in Rome's economic exploitation of the vulnerable people around him, too. Yet Zacchaeus, he finally wakes up, and Luke doesn't tell us what caused him to wake up. Up. He only tells us that Jesus declares his intention to go to Zacchaeus' home, and then the crowd objects. The, the crowd rightly accuses the unjust Zacchaeus uh, of being a sinner, and then Zacchaeus stands up and declares, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. That's Luke 19, verse 8. This was a deep reversal for Zacchaeus. He, he, he not only walks away from his support of, of Roman administration, but he also offers 
reparations to those his previous actions had harmed. Jesus then responds, and this is our text, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For my Christian friends, Jesus doesn't define salvation here as a legal transaction in heaven that assures Zacchaeus of some post-mortem bliss, nor does Jesus define Zacchaeus' salvation as a pardon or, or, or letting him off the hook. Jesus instead, he defines salvation as the healing of Zacchaeus' most inward being, a healing that manifests in, in Zacchaeus' rejection of an unjust system and his decision to work to undo the injustice of that system. When, as Christians, when, when we view salvation as remote forgiveness or as convincing God to let us off the hook or as obtaining a, a celestial ticket to heaven, we're actually defining salvation differently than Jesus did. For, for Jesus, salvation was not about getting a person from a state of being unforgiven to a state of being forgiven. It wasn't about getting someone out of a post-mortem hell and into a post-mortem heaven. Salvation for Jesus in Luke was about change especially for those in Zacchaeus's social location. And I want to be careful here. The change was not so that a person could be saved. The change itself was the salvation. When we define Jesus's vision of salvation as getting free of heavenly legal charges rather than the, the healing, liberation, and reparations he taught during his life, even salvation's labeled by grace— just become another form of, of legalism if it's only about getting free of legal charges. In this story, we see something different. Someone was complicit with an unjust system's harm of others, and I want to emphasize that. That's what we see here. Someone was complicit with an unjust system's harm of others, and that someone made a radical change in the direction of his life and became a follower of Jesus, the Jewish prophet of the poor. The second thing that Jesus declares when Zacchaeus changes is, this man too is a son of Abraham. Zacchaeus had been living outside of the distributive economic teachings of the Torah, yet Jesus declares that he's a son of Abraham too. Luke contrasts the, the tax collector Zacchaeus with the wealthy religious teachers who had made fun of Jesus's economic teachings just two chapters previously. In Luke 16, 14, it says the Pharisees who loved money heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. What this story communicates, especially to me, is that rejecting systemic injustice is not optional for those who desire to follow Jesus. People may bear the name of Christian. Christian, but if they support corrupt administrations who do harm in exchange for political favor or, or for the sake of winning a decades-long culture war, they are out of harmony with the teachings of Jesus. And I'd like to believe that Zacchaeus understood this. A political, economic, religious, or even social advantage does not justify participating in or supporting a corrupt system that does harm. Uh, what is needed? 
needed for empowered, privileged Christians today who, who support a corrupt administration to, to follow Zacchaeus' example? What's needed for, for Christians to take more seriously Jesus' commands to stand with the vulnerable and those on the, on the margins rather than the systems that harm them? What is needed for Christians to be more than simply believers in the Jesus story, but actually followers of him as well? Remember the picture we get of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John is of an itinerant teacher gathering those who will join him in a distributively just way of organizing and doing life as a community that was called the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, it wasn't a place in the heavens. It wasn't a place that people go when they die. The kingdom of God was a vision of a just future in which people prioritize the least of these. And history will judge us most critically by how we take care of the least of these among us. Jesus' vision of a distributively just future was about how we do life in the here and now. He called his listeners to go against what the status quo had taught them and to organize society instead in ways that are life-giving for everyone. And today, the Jesus story still invites us to choose a world shaped by distributive justice, to, to follow Jesus and to live the Jesus way. It's, it's not about saying a sinner's prayer or attending a service once a week and then going back to the way things have always been done. And to follow Jesus means adopting a life-giving way of living. But the kingdom of God, God's just future, it received pushback then, and it will also receive as much pushback from today's elites, from the establishment today. The cross was the elite, the establishment, uh, it was the elite of society's violent no to Jesus's vision of God's just future. The resurrection, the resurrection, it undid all the violence of, of Jesus's death, and it was it caused the hope of a, of a of that just future to live on in the lives of Jesus's followers. And I believe that hope it can live on in those who bear Jesus's name today too. Much will have to change in certain sectors of Christianity uh, if that's to happen. But but I believe nonetheless that it's possible. I believe following Jesus is about learning to follow Jesus's practice of love and inclusion of just distribution and mutual aid, nonviolence and compassion towards others. His practice, it was reparative and transformative, and it has the power to change our lives personally and, and systemically as well. If politics is society deciding who gets what, when, and how, and if we consider Jesus' Sermon on the Mount to be uh, Jesus' politics, then the politics of the Jesus story are eradicate poverty, by centering society on the poor. Uh, Give the kingdom to the poor. Comfort those whom the present system causes to sorrow. Create a system that takes care of those who are meek. And, and, And give equity to those who hunger for things to be put right. Stand with the merciful, with those who are pure of heart, who refuse to acquit the guilty for a bribe. Stand 
stand with the peacemakers who are working for distributive justice and those also that the privileged and the powerful who they persecute and they slander and they exclude because they demand change. Jesus's vision, all of this I believe is found in Matthew 5, 3 through 10 in, in that Sermon on the Mount, but Jesus's vision of a, of a just future, it's for the here and the now. The arc of history, it can bend towards justice if we bend it that way. Another world is possible if we choose it, but we have choices to make. Who will be our Zacchaeuses today? Heart group application, what parallels and contrast do you see with Zacchaeus' story and U.S. Christians today who fail to disavow the U.S.'s present destructive administration? If you need an example, uh, ponder the children who are still in cages along the, the U.S.'s southern border and discuss this as, as a group. And number two, five years into the reign of the German Reich. In 1938, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he preached on April 9th 1938, and I'll give you a reference to it. Um, you can read the whole sermon in the Collected Sermons of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, page 203. But he he writes, faith is, or he speaks, he preaches, faith is a decision. We cannot avoid that. You cannot serve two masters, Matthew 6, 24. But with this yes, yes to God belongs an equally clear no. Your yes to God demands your no to all injustice, to all evil, to all lies, to all oppression and violation of the weak, or I would say the vulnerable, and the poor. What does Bonhoeffer's dichotomy, uh, what does it mean for you today? Discuss that as a group. And then number three, Create a list of how you can collectively say no to injustice as a follower of Jesus in our present context, and then pick something from your list and begin putting it into practice this week. Thanks for checking in with us this week. Uh, right where you are, keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.